0: Alright, well, we've been going through um, these flannel board stories, and um, honestly, um, I obviously, you see by your notes, we were going to be talking about Joseph... We're not now, um, we're going to be talking um, about somebody else, and what's interesting about how God sometimes works um, is, is I was back there, and, and, and actually this was not somebody that I was planning on talking about. It's not in my, my master plan, um, but as worship was going on, God placed this on my heart, and I feel very strongly that this is what God was wanting us to share, and it's kind of funny because it's still going to kind of fit in with our flannel board stories, and so um, this morning we're going to tell the story of a story. Of Gideon, and I feel like this story is really timely um, to where we are at. Um, if you know me at all, you know I'm not typically the guy that's well. It's 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 this time of year, so I'm going to talk about this. In fact, sometimes um, I'll talk about Christmas stuff in June, just because that's kind of sometimes how I roll. But but I, as and so I wasn't necessarily planning on going this route, but but God placed this on my heart, and so I want to tell us the story first of Gideon. We're going to try to kind of keep it with kind of. The way that uh, we've been kind of doing it, because I feel like um, it'll fit in with where we're at and what God is asking, and so we're going to be in in Judges chapter six. Now, the, the words in, are not going to be up there on the screen unless they're able to do some kind of magic back in the back and make it happen. But I'm going to jump around quite a bit, so if you have your Bible or your phone, um, you know, please follow along. We're going to kind of go through this story, and again, I have not necessarily studied this. Um, it's going to be kind of a little bit kind of as we go, and so. Um, we're going to start, though, in, in, in Judges chapter 6, and we're going to tell the story of Gideon. But before we do, let's pray. Father, obviously, I believe very strongly that you've placed this on my heart, and so these words need to be yours, not mine. They need to be an expression of what you desire to express to your people in this moment and in this time. Father, I love the fact that, that your word is alive, and it, it comes exactly when we need it, how we need it, when we need it. And so, Father, I pray that your words would ex. It, and that Father, we would be multi- we would be changed by the power of Your Holy Spirit this morning. We love You and we thank You in Jesus' name, Amen. Now in Judges, what we see constantly is this constant kind of situation where Israel begins to sin, they begin to mess up, they begin to not do the things that, that God has asked them to do. And just like God has promised, He brings forth judgment. He brings forth things not to not to destroy Israel, but to bring them home and, and help them understand that uh, they need to change their ways, and in, and in Judges chapter 6, we kind of find ourselves here in that situation. We're going to start with verse 1 as we kind of tell the story of Gideon, and this is what it says. It says, the Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight, so the Lord handed them over to the Midianites for seven Years. The Midianites were so cruel that the Israelites made hiding places for themselves in the mountains, caves, and strongholds. So basically what we're seeing here obviously is is Israel has has sinned and God is beginning this process of, of restoration. He's beginning this process of bringing them home. And we need to understand something that I feel like we're dealing with here. I truly believe that this situation is a situation that God is going to use to bring us home. I believe that for a long time we have been living in in, in sin and we've been living in a way that is not according to what God has asked us to do as as people and as a nation. And I believe that even though I don't believe that God has set this situation, I believe God is going to use this situation to bring people back to Him, to help people understand, you know, that there is a God and that He loves them and He has a plan for them and that their lives are not going the way that they want them to go. And you know what? Sometimes here me here. Sometimes God will use what seems to be cruel in our world to make a major impact on our lives. Why? I think, unfortunately, that is the only thing that's going to get our attention. It is the only thing that's going to get us to wake up. I was was listening to Emily. She was showing me something this week with some people, and, and this guy, I don't remember who it was, doesn't matter. He kind of made the comment about the fact that we have no sports anymore. Every sports league has been closed down. And listen, as a sports fan, I am not overly thrilled with this situation. I miss watching some of my stuff. But you know what? It's amazing now how God is beginning to remove those things that can be distractions. That he's removing those things that will keep our focus off of him. You know what? I don't have time to spend time with God. I got a game to watch. I don't have time to watch or spend time with God. I got a hockey game to watch or a soccer game to watch or a basketball game to watch. Or, or, or I got to go to do something or I got to be a part of something. Hey, the schools are closed, folks. Most of us are going to be working from home if we're working at all. We have an opportunity. We're going to have more time together as a family than we've had in a long time. Do not waste these moments. Do not waste this time because I believe God is wanting to use this to make an impact on us. So this is our setting. This is our situation. There is fear in the land. There is hiding in the land. There is individuals that are scared to death. And that's where we find our our main character of the story of Gideon. And Gideon is hiding. He's threshing wheat. He's in a wine press, which basically means it's an indentation into the ground. And so he's in there. It's, he's doing something in the wine press he wasn't designed for because he's trying to hide. He's scared of the situation that he finds himself in. And this is what happens. It says, in, it says let's see. Where are we at? Where are we at? Then he came to- Okay, maybe let's start with verse 11. Okay? okay, 611. Then the angel of the Lord came. Oh, look at you. Thank you, John. Thank you, Monica. You're doing great. Then the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the great tree at Ophrah, which belonged to Joaz the the night. And while his son Gideon, was beating out wheat in the wine press. Now check this out. Again, to hide it from the Midianites. He is afraid. He's in fear. He's living this way. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Now, I want you to remember where we find our hero in this moment. He's hiding. He's cowering. He's afraid. He's, he's in that moment going, oh, man, he's, he's one of those people. You know what I mean? He's, he's sitting there, and I can just see it. You know, he's in this wine press. And he's down below. And every once in a while, this little head pops up, and little eyes, looking around. Okay, everything's fine. And he goes back and He's threshing his wheat. And he little pie, looks around. And he's, he's like one of those um, groundhogs. It pops his head up, and he's looking around. You know what I mean? And he pops back down. And he's afraid, and he's, he's scared, but the angel of the Lord the, the, uh, comes to him, and he calls him by name. He calls him not by his name of Gideon, but he calls him how God sees him. There is a big difference folks between how you see yourself and the name the world gives you and the name that God has given you. The problem is is we listen too much to the world and we hide in caves and hide in wine presses because we're afraid because we've bought into the lie that we aren't the hero that God has called us to be. We're not the mighty warrior that God has anointed us to be. And so we hide. And we're afraid. And God basically, we're gonna, we can't go through all of this word for word, but God speaks to him and he calls him and he says, you are going to be used to rescue my people from the Midianites. You are going to be used to do a mighty thing. And I believe that God has called us in this moment and in this time to do mighty things for him. Because he doesn't look at you and see this weakling. He doesn't look at you and see this person. Even though sometimes we do, we do go and we hide in the wine press. It's like I wish I could pull this away really quick and go down in here and then pop up. Because that's sometimes what we feel that we are. But God looks at us and he says, no, no, no. That's not who you are. It's not who I've called you to be I look at you and I see a mighty hero a mighty warrior and so God says you're gonna go you're gonna go and you're gonna save it and you're gonna make an, an impact and you're gonna make a difference so let's jump ahead here Gideon in verse number 33 now, now we're, we're gonna we're gonna jump around a little bit but I want to kind of talk to you a little bit about who Gideon is Okay? Because a lot of times what we see here is we see Gideon at the end of the story and we forget who Gideon is at the beginning of the story. We forget that Gideon is afraid. We forget that Gideon is constantly, and I mean constantly, going back to God and going, God, are you sure? God, do you have you messed up? God, are you sure that I'm the one to do this? And so he begins to ask God for signs. He begins to ask God to do things to show him That he is the man that God has called for such a time as this. And what's amazing about that is God doesn't chastise him. God doesn't look at him and say, man, how many times do I have to tell you? God, in his infinite loving kindness, continues to show him and continues to say, listen, I've got you. I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. I've called you to great, mighty things, and you don't have to do this on your own. Listen, sometimes what we tend to do is we feel the, the, the fear of going to God and basically looking at God and going, God, are you sure? Because we're... Afraid God's gonna look at us and go, How could you? and tap your foot. Listen, you gotta understand something. Our God is a good dad. Our God is a great dad. I want you to think about something. What we're asking God in some ways is we're saying, God, will you tell me that I'm okay? Will you tell me that you love me? Will you tell me that you got me? Will you tell me that you'll never leave me? We should know these things, yes, but you know what? We're, we're thick-headed sometimes, and we miss it. Listen, I don't know about you. I don't know if you have kids, if you do, or grandkids, but I can guarantee you probably something. And you are like me. You are a flawed parent that does wrong things. But you know what? My son comes up to me. And if my son looks at me he goes dad do you love me dad will you be there for me dad are you proud of me man I don't look at that and go man I told you once three years ago that I loved you and that I'm proud of you you heard it once I'm not telling you again We need to stop being afraid of our father. We need to start to be okay going to him and saying, you know what, sometimes I need a little encouragement, father. Sometimes I need to be wrapped up in your arms and said, you know what, I got you. I'm going to take care of you. Some of us are afraid to go to our dad because we're afraid of how he's going to respond to us. But he will respond to us with grace, love, and mercy, and he will encourage us when we need that encouragement. He's a good dad, and he does that with Gideon. He says, hey, you want a fleece wet and the ground dry? Let's well, do it. You want the ground wet and the fleece dry? I'll do that. He does it several times. And so now Gideon's all excited. He's ready. Finally, the dude's ready. And so God begins to call, they begin to call all the men up and they begin to bring all these people and they say, okay, we're gonna go. We're gonna fight. This is gonna be great. But we get to chapter seven. We get to chapter seven. And this is what happens. We, we, so Jerubalel, close enough, that is Gideon. His name's Gideon. I don't know why they put that in there, but it's Gideon. Okay, verse 1, 7-1. One. And his army got up early and went as far as the spring of Herod. The armies of Midian were camped north of them in the valley near the hill of Moran. Okay. The Lord said to Gideon, you have too many warriors with you. If I let all of you fight the Midianites, the Israelites will boast to me that they saved themselves by their own strength. Therefore, tell the people, whoever is timid or afraid may leave this mountain and go home. So 22,000 of them went home, leaving only 10,000 who were willing to fight. Now listen, I, as, as I realized, felt like God was placing this on my heart, I, I, I know this story. I, I, I've kind of, so I was kind of running through all these things and I'm going, God, what, man, what, what does this mean? What, what are you trying to tell me here about this? Now, listen, if you hear my heart here, you, you need to know my heart here, okay? I'm not saying, I'm not, this is not me picking up a rock and throwing it at big churches, okay? A lot of those churches literally had no choice this morning to not meet, Okay? But listen to me and hear me here. We are a small church. Isn't that awesome right now? Listen to me and hear my heart. I want us to grow because I believe that's God's plan for this place in our heart. But listen, we can never, ever get to that place where, you know what? We don't have enough people. We can't make an impact. We can't do God is with us. There may be a situation where God is saying, you know what, I'll keep you down, Aaron. I'm going to keep you down because I know how, Aaron, sometimes how you think. And you're going to go, you know what, look how great a speaker I was. Look how well I did. Look, Listen, when God does what God's going to do, we're going to be able to look back and go, it wasn't me, it wasn't you, it was God. It's going to be so exciting because we're going to look and we're going to see God's hand. Because God is not limited by the amount of warriors that are going to go to the fight. You know what, there's a lot of people that are afraid right now. There's a lot of people who have gathered for this moment and this fight and they're scared to death and they're Christians and that's a shame. You go, well Aaron, I'm scared. You know what, I'm, I'm, throwing, I'm not throwing a rock at you. I'm here, we're here to encourage you. But listen, God has not given us a spirit of fear. God has given given us a spirit of a warrior that should go out and fight the battles that God has placed in our path because he is going to give us the victory. Not because of how strong we are or how many people we have gathered around us, but because he is good, he is strong, he is mighty, and he will do the work. And there will be victory. But listen, listen here. I, I, I truly believe this. God is beginning to separate the people that are afraid, and the people that are trusting him. There's there's, there's a separation. He's he's saying basically, hey, listen, it's okay. You can go home. You can go home. But here's the thing. Hear me here. You will never experience the victory that God is going to bring to the extent that God is going to bring it if you are afraid and do not trust in him. Now, listen to me. Hear my heart. That does not mean we walk around this place and cough on each other. Okay? Let's have a little common sense here. We wash our hands. If you're sick, you stay home. Okay? The enemy looked at Jesus and literally told him, jump off this high place and the Lord will save you. And Jesus' response is, you do not test the Lord our God. Okay? We're not going to be silly. We're going to be as wise as serpents and as harmless as doves. Okay? But our faith and our trust, we don't need to live in fear. We don't need to live in fear. You say, well, Aaron, what if, what if somebody gets sick? Then somebody gets sick and I'm going to pray and we're going to believe that God's going to raise them up. Okay? And we're going to see where this is going in just a second. So, 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 so they start this process of weeding out. They start this, this situation. And then God says this. Listen, they, they have 10,000 left. You go, okay, this is all right. We lost 22,000. We got 10,000. This will be fine. We're ready to go. God says, wait a minute. You still got too many. So he continues and he says, listen, take them down to this brook. So so this is what happens. It says in chapter 5, is, or verse 5, it says, When Gideon took the warriors down to the water, the Lord told him, Divide the men into two groups. In one group, put all those who cup water in their hands and lap it up with their tongue like dogs. In the other group, put those who kneel down and drink with their mouths from the stream. Only 300 of the men drank from their hands, and all the others got down on their knees and drank with their mouths to the stream. Okay, let me, let me give you this picture here. So basically God is saying, I want you to divide out these men. I want you to see what happens. So basically what he's doing is, is what we're seeing here is he's, he's asking these men, I want you to watch how they drink. I want you to watch how they drink. And so some of the men get down. And in other translations, I really believe it actually says they kind of, they lap it up like a dog, I think. Right? And in other translations, we see this. They, they cup it with their hands and they drink out of their hands. All right? Now, this is, what, this is the picture that we're getting. Okay? And God looks and he says, I want you to take the ones that are doing it like this. And those are the ones that are going to go fight. Those are the ones that are ready. Those are the ones that will do that. Now listen to me. Hear me on this. Because again, I was going, God, what, what does this mean? Listen, I don't know. You guys have dogs at home, cats at home. You, you know what I've found is a very ineffective way to drink? Like a cat or a dog. My dog could sit there. Now, now, my dogs are crazy, okay? But my dogs could sit there and I could put a gallon of water and they would drink the whole gallon then throw it up because I've drank too much. You know, it's lovely. It's awesome. But I've learned that it takes them a long time. Okay, if I put a glass of water, eight ounces of water here, and a bowl of water here, and I said, let's have a race. Let's see who can drink the water fastest. 100% of the time, unless somebody is just weird, they're going to drink the water faster. They're not going to get as much water. I believe here this is important that we catch this. Listen, God is wanting people in this moment who don't go to God's presence and God's word and in prayer and lick it and just get just enough to get their tongue wet. What, think about the story that Jesus tells about hell and what does the man in, in hell ask? He says, just give me one drop of water to place on my tongue. Why? He's asking that because it's the most minimum amount he could get. He's not asking for a bucket of water. He's asking just for it. Drop. It's the most minimum part he could get. And for a lot of us as Christians, we want to go and we want to go fight this battle. And we think we can do it by just barely getting our tongue wet in the things of God. And God's saying, nope. I want people that will reach down and begin to cup that water. And begin to drink that water. And get that water deep inside of them to be ready to fight the battle that's going to take place. Question, are you, uh, are, you, are you somebody that gets down in the water and just gets enough, gets, just, just a little bit, just to get that tongue wet? Or are you, you you're getting that cup full in your every day? Give me my cup full every day. Give me my bucket full of what God is doing and what God wants to do in me and who I am in him. Which are you? Because if you want to fight the battle that God wants you to fight and have the victory that God is going to bring about, he's going to ask you to stop barely licking water and start gulping it down because it's good. And it will sustain us. And give us strength. So now they're getting ready to fight. They've went from thousands to 300 men, 300 men, to fight a massive Midianite army. Gideon, once again, is afraid. We're not going to put it up here. I'm not going to read it. but Gideon, once again, is having his doubts. And what does God do? God says, "Go down to the enemy camp, hear what they're saying. And basically, the man, one of the men, talks about a dream that he's having. And the dream is, is, is about God giving the Israelites victory. And that it finally, it's like it finally clicks in Gideon. And so he begins to get ready. He gets the 300 men. And this is important. I think this is really when God began to lay this on my heart. This was the main thing. He says this. Okay? Let's start with verse number 16. So Gideon, he divided the 300 men into three groups... And gave each man, and this is important, a ram's horn and a clay jar with a torch in it. Then he said, keep your eyes on me. When I come to the edge of the camp, do as I do. As soon as I and those with me blow the ram's horns, blow your horns too, all around the entire camp and shout for the Lord and for Gideon. And it was just after midnight, after the changing of the guard, when Gideon and the hundred men with him reached the edge of the Midianite camp. Suddenly, they blew the ram's horns and broke their clay jars. Then all three groups blew their horns and broke their jars. They held the blazing torches in their left hand and their horns in their right hand. And they shouted, a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. And I'm not going to read it, but basically at this moment, the, the Midianite camp goes into such a panic and such an unbelievable craze that they begin to kill each other. And the Israelites have this amazing victory. I want you to notice a couple of things about this. Number one, they had something in their right hand and they had something in their left hand and neither one of them were effective weapons. Neither one of them were the things that if I was saying, I'm going to battle, I don't want a piece, I don't want a trumpet and a torch. Now the torch, okay, maybe I can use that a little bit. But, but you know what, That's not, give me a sword, give me a spear, give me something that I can stick in the other guy. But God doesn't do that. You know what I've found sometimes in my own life and in the life of people I love? We sometimes, we look in our hands and we see a ram's horn and we see, we see a fire stick on a jar. And we go, God, how in the world are you going to use this? And because of that, we will not engage the enemy because we do not believe we have the tools that are necessary to have the victory. We don't. Listen, hear me. God will use whatever is in your hand. God will use what is ever in your hand. But I want you to check on this because, honestly, this has been something. (laughs) It's funny. I remember when I was a kid. I remember remember Superbook. Remember Superbook? Yes, I watched Superbook. One of my favorite Superbook stories was this story. I love this story. I don't know why it stuck with me. I could tell you exactly what happened. I can tell you a picture that comes. There's just this burnt image in my head of this story. And I always remember, God, what was the point? Why? Why don't, why? Jar clay? I, I get it, bright light. I, listen, hear me here. Because I felt like this morning, God began to reveal, at least in this moment, what that is meaning. And you need to catch this. Because I believe very strongly that this is our moment. And I don't just mean Broomfield Assembly, I don't just mean me and you. I believe this is. A Christian worldwide moment. Because there are people that are scared to death. Folks, if you don't believe me, go try to find toilet paper for crying out loud in this country. If you don't believe, people are losing their collective minds. I'll starve, but I'll have, I'll, I'll have toilet paper. Come on. People are lost. They have no hope. They are being shaken to their core. They are scared to death. And here's the bottom line. For too long, too many Christians have gone to the battle and they haven't blown their horn. And most importantly, they have kept their clay jar over their light. They have. We have gone to the battle and said, look, we're different. Look, you can come know Jesus. You can have peace, love, joy. And they look and all they see is darkness. All they see is you're not any different than I am. Why would I want what you have? You got a jar and you got a horn you don't even use. No, thank you. You know what's amazing about what happens in this story? God doesn't look at the clay jar, even though he could, and God doesn't do a little hokey pokey and go, I'm going to make all the clay jars break, <laughs> even though he could. It says that they broke the jar. How do you break a jar? How do you break a jar? This is important you catch this. You don't, if I had a jar, and if I had planned this out, I probably would have had one, but I don't. If I had a jar And I sat there and I said, I want that jar to break. Oh, God, make that jar break. Oh, come on, God, make the jar break. More than likely this, God did something absolutely incredible. That jar would still not be broken. What breaks a jar? Pressure. Pressure breaks jars. You say, how does that work? If I took a jar and I pressed it against here, this would win. Because the pressure would explode the jar. Sometimes, and I believe this is this case. God is allowing the pressure and the fear of these moments for finally Christians to wake up and say, it's time that I break my jar and it's time I become a light again. It's time. It is time, folks. The battle is here. This is the moment. This is an unbelievable time. And listen, do not, listen, hear my heart on this. Do not stand before God one day and have him look at you and say, I love you, but we're going to look at your life. And he's going to do that to all of us. We're all going to stand before God. And I do not want him to look at you or me and say, you know what? This was a golden opportunity and you kept your torch covered under a jar, a a jar of clay jar. It is time to break the jar. The world needs the light of Jesus. The Lord needs something more than what the government can offer. They need something more to say, oh, just let there be a vaccine. Oh, just let, listen, because here's the bottom line. Whether it's corona, whether it's a car accident, they are going to stand before God one day. All of us, unless Christ comes back, we're going to have that moment. It is time to stop hiding our light under a clay jar and begin to break it open and let God give us the victory. God doesn't necessarily call you. He didn't call Gideon. He didn't call these men to go down and use the torches on the enemy. He simply said, if you will just break your jar open, if you will just be the light that I have called you to be, you will have victory over this enemy. You say, Aaron, well, who's the enemy? Listen, I'm not saying people that don't know Jesus is the enemy. I am saying, listen, the enemy is the enemy. And he is doing this to kill, steal, and destroy because that is who he is and that is what he does. But I believe with everything in me that if the church will rise up and people will stop being afraid to let their light shine... That we are literally, worldwide, and I believe this, we are literally going to see millions of people come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. This is a moment. This is a time that we can be used by God. But listen, God will only use you if you are willing to break that jar and be the light that God has called you to be. Gideon and his men Didn't always understand. I'm sure Gideon at times, God, say, God, what are you doing? Hey, listen, in this process, we don't know how long this is going to go on. We'll just wait and see. But you know what? In this process, if you begin to have doubts, if you begin to have moments where you are losing your peace and you start living in fear, can you please do me a favor? Go to your good heavenly father and let him restore that peace because he will do that for you, especially during the times like this. Do not live in fear. You are made for something greater because you know you have a hope that is greater than anything this world could ever give. So let's walk in it and let's live in it. And if you're there, it's okay. But listen, we don't live there, we move on. We grab a hold of the word, we drink that water, we let that water refresh us and bring us back to a place of security. But I believe with everything in me, this is a moment in time where if we will obey God and we will do what God has asked us to do as individuals, as churches, and as a worldwide church, this will be a moment that we will look back and we will see the hand of God like we have never seen before. I believe Jesus is coming back soon, just like every pastor that's ever lived. I get it. But you know, one of these pastors is going to be right at some point. Not nailing the date or anything silly like that, but, but it's coming. Hey, listen, doesn't it make sense that our loving Father who wishes that none should perish would give the world one massive chance to come and find him again before he comes back and takes his bride home? You see, if I know God the way I try to know God, I see God doing that. What if this is that moment? What if this, listen, hey, think about this. What if we are a couple years away, six months away from all going home? How would you live your life differently? How, what kind of a light would you be If you knew that person you love, that person you cared for, that person at your work or your school or your neighbor had that long. And maybe they don't have that long. Listen, I I believe this, and this is a sad state that we'd have to get to this place, but at that point, I don't believe there'd be any issue. There'd be broken jars all over this place and all over this world. Where's your jar? What's your jar look like? You say, Aaron, what, what can I do? I'm, I'm working for home. And, and well, you know, Aaron, what can I do? I, I mean, yeah, this would have been a great message a week ago, you know, but, 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 but I'm, I'm kind of, you know, we're kind of social distancing, you know, and all this stuff, and that's fine and dandy. You know what? But I believe if we are listening to the Spirit of God, God will give us divine appointments to make a difference in people's lives divine appointments, but you got to be ready. And you will miss them if your torch is under a clay jar. So this morning, how'd I do that? This morning, what I feel like we're going to end this service with, we're not going to have an ending song, but I I, I want to have, and I really feel like this is what the Lord is, is asking us to do right now, I really want and, and, and there's a reason why I wanted the kids to be here. Because I wanted them to understand this. Because God can use little kids. He sometimes uses them better than, than he uses, you know, crusty adults like me. And 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 I want us all to do this, but I really feel like God wants us to have literally a commissioning service to end this service. You say hey, what what's that? And maybe you've been in other things. This this is how it is in Aaron's world, okay? This is an opportunity for us to, 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 you know, leave our seats and we're going to come forward. And I'm going to pray a prayer of commission over you, okay? If you want understanding a little bit more of this, go back and look at uh, Elisha and and Elijah or whatever it is. When they, when they begin to leave, when, when, when Elisha, I believe, and I always get it mixed up, forgive me, goes up to be with God, there is a commissioning that basically takes place. And there's a transfer of an anointing that, that, that God is doing, and I do not believe now that, that 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 anointing is is limited to a small group of people. I believe because of the blood of Jesus and because we have accepted Him, that anointing is available to all of us. I'm not necessarily saying the anointing of a prophet, but the anointing of of a disciple that goes. When Jesus uh, left his his followers, he he gave them a a, a com- it was basically a commissioning service. You are to go now. You are to make a difference. You are to be the light of the world and share uh, and make disciples in in all these different places. That's what this is, okay? And as, as the man that God has called to lead this, I have an authority to pray that over you. But I truly believe this is a moment Two years ago or something, we talked about being a neighbor. You say, How? I can't go to work. I can't. Listen, you got somebody right next door to you right now. Go knock on their door, see what they need. Do you have any older people that are nearby? Go to them, see what they need. Be a blessing. Care about people in your neighborhood. You say, Hey, listen, I I got kind of wrapped up in this whole toilet paper thing. I now have 450,000 rolls. Go knock on somebody's door. Hey, you need some toilet paper. Be a light. Show them. I'll tell one story, and then we're going to bring forward and pray. We, we go to a community center in Broomfield, and I wasn't there, but, but Emily and Easton went on Friday, and she told me this story. They closed it down now, so it's, you can't go in there anymore. And she walked in with Easton, and, and, and Emily and Easton were laughing. They were smiling. They had the joy of the Lord. They weren't afraid. They didn't walk in going, oh my goodness, is this, oh, no. And you know what happened? When they walked in, one of the ladies behind the desk made the comment, something to the effect of, I can't, you are the first people we've seen smiling all day long. Why was my wife and my son smiling? Because their hope is not in some cure. It's not in not getting sick. It's in the Lord God Almighty. You say, how can I be a difference? How about this? Have the joy of the Lord. And when people say, how can you be okay? Why aren't you afraid? That is your moment to break the jar. Do not be silent in that moment. Because they are looking for something that will satisfy their soul. This is a moment. We don't want to waste this moment. So here's what I'm asking you to do. We're going to close. Like I said, we're not going to have a song. I just want to pray over you. And I will never force you to do anything you don't want to do. Because I don't feel like that's going to change anything. That's that's cohesion and whatever word it is, I don't care. I want you to make a choice. God gives you a choice. I give you a choice. But if you say, you know what, Aaron, I want to be a light. You say, you know what, maybe, maybe, maybe you say, you know what, I have been. And if you have been, awesome. You're not, you don't get to miss out on this thing right now. But you say, you know what, Aaron, maybe I haven't been the light that God's called me to be. You know, it's funny, I was talking to Alan, and it's a long story, so you have to ask him about it. But he made the comment. He said, "He said he was talking to, I think, the chief of the department that he was at. He's retired now, which is awesome for him. We'll see if Linda thinks the same in about a week. I'm teasing." And And the department, he said, basically, "Never waste a tragedy, crisis. Never waste a crisis. Never waste a crisis." Folks, listen to me. Hear my heart on this. The world is in crisis. And we're not like that police chief that's going to use it to get more funding or, or get more stuff or, or get more, 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 more encouragement. And, and I'm not saying that was bad that he did that. But listen, the world is in crisis. Let's not waste our crisis moment. Let's give them something that will change everything. Let's give them something that will change their world. So listen, if you want, if you want me to pray over you, to commission you to be that light, would you just come forward and, and listen, we, we have to be wise here. I understand all these things, but let's spread out. we got plenty of room, okay? If, if you want to come over here, just give plenty of room, but come now, come now and just come on forward, Okay. Now, I'm not normally, I think if we were doing this, I'd probably try to lay hands on all of you, but just considering the situation, and we're just not going to do that, okay? And here's what's great about that. God doesn't look at that and go, oh, well, you know you, you know, you didn't anoint him with oil. It doesn't count. Don't be silly, okay? God's not limited. But listen, folks, this is a moment. I don't want to waste it. And listen, and hear my heart on this. I don't want to waste it to make Broomfield Assembly great. I want to waste it because I don't want to miss the opportunity to make God's great. God's name great. But it is time, folks. It is time. So as I pray over you, I'd ask that you would also pray. That you would pray that God would anoint you. That God would place you in positions and situations and circumstances. That God would lead you, guide you, and direct you in this thing. Okay? So let's pray right now. Father God, I come to you right now. And God, I thank you for each individual that's here this morning. God, you have such an unbelievable plan for them. You have such an unbelievable dream for them. You have an unbelievable purpose for them. And Father, they are here for such a time as this. And that can be so cliche, Father, but it does not change the fact that it is true. They are here to make a difference in the world that you have placed them in. Whether it be a phone call, whether it be a personal meeting, whether it be an email, whether it be knocking on a neighbor's door. Father, you will speak and I pray that you would help us to listen and obey to what you have called us to do. But God, right now as their shepherd, I pray a prayer of anointing over them. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray a double portion of your spirit to just bathe them in your presence bathe them in your spirit bathe them in the ability to hear and see what the spirit is saying and doing. Father I pray for a new level of understanding a new level of of spiritual eyes and spiritual ears to see the moments that you are going to place in their path Father I pray that it would literally be as as clear as turning left or turning right or, or to go out to eat or not to go out to eat or to make a phone call or an email Father I pray that it would be a Clear, clear indication of what you would have them to do. And Father, as they do that, Father, I pray that their words would cease and that yours would begin. Father, I pray that the anointing of the Holy Spirit would begin to work in their lives and therefore splash onto the lives around them. But, Father, I do pray for a new spirit, a a brand new anointing. Father, I don't want old wine, uh, new new wine and old wineskins, Father. That's not what we're praying for. It's not what you do. Father, we want new wine. Pour out that new wine into their hearts and into their lives, Father. And, Father, I pray not only a prayer of anointing, but I pray a prayer of commissioning. That, Father, that they are now commissioned to be your ambassadors, to be your light, to be your salt in places that desperately need it. Father, we are not to quake in fear in this moment. We are not to be afraid and hide. We're not to be Gideon hiding in the wine press. We are to be Gideon with our light shining, our trumpet blowing, saying this is the way. This is salvation. You don't have to be afraid anymore. You don't have to be fearful anymore. You don't have to have no hope anymore. No, God can come and God can do all those things in you and through you. And God has called all of us to be ministers of that word, ministers of that light. And Father, I pray a commission over them that, Father, in their homes and in their families and in their workplaces and in their school, in the businesses that they go to, Father, in the places they walk every day, wherever their hand hand touches, wherever their foot goes, Father, Father, I pray a spirit of power, an anointing and light. Father, I literally pray, as we saw in Acts, that the, the apostles, their shadow had the power of God, and when their shadow would cross over the sick, they would be healed. We are asking for that type of an anointing right now in the name of Jesus. Thank. You, Jesus. We don't have to be many. We know that, Jesus, because you are mighty. You can use one. One can put a thousand to flight. How many more can we put to flight in just this room? Tens of thousands because of your power and your goodness and your grace. So, Father, anoint us. Anoint us and use us. Do not let us miss our moment. Help us to be used by you because the world in this moment are ready. They're ready. Thank you, Jesus. Feel the Lord would say to us to look out. To look out to the harvest. The fields are ripe for the harvest but the workers are few. Become a worker for Jesus. Go out into your harvest field and begin to bring in the harvest. Bring in the harvest. God has placed us in this position and it's time. So let's be used by him in great and mighty ways. Great and mighty ways. We love you, Father. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name.